Well, I want to talk about favor today, and uh, the title of my message is Enjoying Favor, but I really believe that uh, what we're talking about, and we'll segue into that, uh, what we're talking about with him making a way uh, is so key uh, to us enjoying favor. As you are hearing, we had some unusual surprises. fact is, it seems like everywhere we went, we had unusual surprises. And, and I think that Ephesians uh, 3, is it 10 or 20? There's two verses I love in Ephesians 3, and then sometimes I get them uh, mixed up. Um, it's verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be glory in the church exceedingly abundantly beyond everybody say that exceedingly abundantly beyond now you know i started speaking to the weather and uh, speaking to all things pertaining to nature uh, long before we went on this trip, I started speaking to these things when we got the trip scheduled. I started speaking to the four winds, and I started <laughs> declaring the goodness of God over all of these things. Uh, because I believe, like out of Romans chapter 8, the earth rejoices in the sons of God. And the earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed, for us to take our place Uh, The earth has been given over to futility, it's been given over to the curse, but it loves it, it loves to work with the sons of God. And I just believe that all through our trip, the caribou that came and showed themselves, the grizzly bears that were playing on the hills as we drove, uh, the the moose that came near the road, uh, the weather that changed and the clouds that moved and everything that happened, there were so many things where the earth was rejoicing. And some of you saw my posts because uh, I was so overwhelmed with some of the favor. We have one of the posts, and I'll have the guys play it. Are you ready with the video? So let's play it. When I say go, play it. Don't, don't play it till I say go. Uh, so we went out uh, on the charter uh, two days we went fishing, and uh, we just believed that we would, we would do well, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if they're kind of like doctors, if there's a doctor in the house, I apologize, but, you know, I don't know if they're kind of like doctors, you know, when you talk to the fish charter company, you know, they tell you the worst case scenario, so that way if you even catch one fish, you just feel like you got a miracle, you know, well, there's not a lot of fish out there, you know, we got to be careful, you know, just... You know, so we'll just, I don't know if that's, but, you know, they told us that we bought a combo for the first day, and it was going to be halibut, and it was going to be salmon. And so we got on the boat with these guys, and they're like, okay, we're, we're going to go out, and we're going to try to limit on our salmon first. But you know what? We don't know if it's going to happen. And most of the time, you know, it just, it just doesn't happen. We don't limit on the salmon. We've only got a short window to limit on the salmon. Then we've got to get to the halibut because we've got a 21-foot swing in the tide today. And when that tide starts moving, the halibut are going to go low, and they aren't going to be available because they want to get out of the water that's moving because it's seven miles an hour the tide's moving, and it's going to swing 21 feet. And so they're like, so we got to get out there. we got to get as many salmon as we can. Then we'll move on to the place where the halibut is, and then we'll try to get our halibut. And uh, 
And so, you know, by now, all of us, we had the BDs with us, and all of us are just kind of, you know, even, you know, the boys are getting involved, you know, and Chase is asking, you know, sometimes we're asking people, you know, was that favor? You know, we just want people to acknowledge that was favor. <laughs> you know, so we're, we, you know, we're engaging with people. We're like, okay, well, we know why that happened, you know, and we're just trying to give glory to God everywhere we go because favor is showing up everywhere, and we... And we, we I, I, you know, we, not to be weird or strange, or, and we're not preachy uh, or braggardly on us. We just want people to know that, that, okay, that was God, you know. And the same thing, you know, I don't know if she told you. When the orca breached in front of the boat, the captain of our boat, she's been on the water for 18 years. Her whole family's grown up doing this. She's raised on boats. Her dad owned a commercial fishing business, uh, and, and now he manages some other huge thing. Her brother uh, is the captain on some big, huge thing. And, I mean, she's grown up there. She's been on the water 18 years herself. And when this orca breached in front of us like it did, it wasn't just a breach. It was like a twirl, an orca twirl. When that, and we had that one actually on. We actually caught that one. But when that happened, she's like, I haven't seen that in 18 years. When the humpback, when the humpback nearly devoured our boat, she's like, oh. I, mean, I mean, these people on the boat are freaking out. And I'm like, okay, that was God smiling. I mean, God was just smiling on us everywhere. And so we get out to the place where the salmon is. Uh, and, and, you know, they get out. And we've only got two poles. They only sit, there's six of us fishing. They set up two poles. We limited on salmon. We pulled in. We pulled in like 22 salmon into the boat and probably lost eight. But we pulled in our limit. We pulled in our limit in less than two hours. And this is when, this is when uh, the young skipper on our boat, um, he's like, that never happens. He's like, that's the fastest I've ever seen anyone limit on salmon. And we have that on video. So I'm like, so Chase is like, Chase is like, say that again. And he's like, that's the fastest. So then I'm like, I want to get that on video. So then he starts messing with us because he was quite the jokester. Uh, but uh, we, got, we got some of it on video, and I wanted to show you the video. That was the worst salmon fishing I've ever seen in my life. Woo! <laughs> now tell him what you actually mean to say. That was the fastest moment I've seen yet. So you heard him, you heard him give us some trash talk first. That was the worst salmon fishing I've seen in my life. But then Chase says, say what you really just said. And then he said, that's the fastest limit I've ever seen. Isn't that cool? So to God be the glory. Come on, give him a praise offering. Thank you, Lord. So I, I don't know, I just, I want you to... One thing I want you to capture, and I've been trying to bring it to us little by little as the Holy Spirit's been bringing it to me, is the posture of receiving. For centuries, and really, uh, you know, we, who knows how long, but I believe that, that the foundation we stand on, the history of what we stand on with regard to church and religion has had a large amount of, wor- uh, 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 of unworthiness 
and legalistic and condemnation-oriented preaching. And so much so that we've had maybe historically in the church maybe more of an emphasis on the Old Testament and on the law than we've had on, on grace and who we've become in Jesus. And so much so has this influence been that I think that it affects us. Now, I'm not all sure what affects you or what harms you. Some of this is tradition even. Uh, in that we, you know, not only are we taught and, and we come to believe that we're worms, uh, but we also are taught that we, that we have to petition God for everything and just wear him out by petition. And if we really pray long and if we pray hard and if we wear him out with petition, uh, and if we add to that, now we should add to that, like Solomon, a thousand sacrifices. And so then, you know, we feel like maybe we have to, um, you know, add to that uh, uh, massive amounts of, of worship. That would be the equivalent of massive sacrifices. Now, I'm not trying to be crass or religiously rude. I'm not trying to be, uh, 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 I'm not trying to be irreverent, and I'm not saying that worship is not important. Uh, but the, the, the 1,000 sacrifices of Solomon, or whatever it was, was it 10,000? Uh, when he dedicated the temple... You know, Jesus was the ultimate picture of all of that. And we enter into his offering. And our worship enters into his offering as we lay our lives down in him. And so, so I'm not trying to say there's not value in worship. Obviously, there's value in worship. But what happens so many times is we allow these voices to prevail within us that no matter how much we worship, we don't qualify that no matter how much we sacrifice, we don't qualify, that no matter how, because, because we're imperfect, because we've got error, because we've got fault, because uh, uh, the law testifies against us. And, and we, we've had so much of this as the foundation. And I'm not saying we haven't had great foundation in, in history of Christianity. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's been a mixture of the two. There's been a mixture of the two. Yes, you're blessed. Yes, you have salvation. Yes, but there's also been a mixture of unworthiness and condemnation. So it creates within us an unsurety. And then there's been such an emphasis on petition. The emphasis on petition is, is so strong within the, the church that we, we almost feel in prayer that we have to talk God into everything that we desire instead of recognizing maybe he put those desires within you. Now, if he put the desire within you, why would you need to talk him into desires that he put within you? Did you know he put a desire for rest within you? And the Sabbath is a picture of it. He put it, did you know all of this crazy stuff, the grizzlies and the, the halibut, did you know that he's created it for our pleasure? Not for our worship. Not that we would worship the creature instead of the creator, but for our pleasure. Not that we would live out of balance. Not that we would forget about him, but that there would be this aspect 
wherein we glorify God for what he's given us to enjoy, and we enjoy what he's given us to enjoy. Amen? And so we petition and we petition and we petition, and, and, and what I want to move your heart to is, is move your heart into a posture of receiving. What if he already has things prepared for you? Isn't that Ephesians 2 verse 10? That we are his workmanship, created or recreated in Christ, that we might walk in the good works that he has already prepared for us to walk in. Let a preacher get a hold of that context. And a preacher will get a hold of that context and he'll say, yes, the good ministry that he already called you to. Evangelism, mission work, healing the sick, sharing your faith. But halibut fishing? Oh, no. That's got to be of the devil. We know that's carnal, sinful, and of the devil. Halibut fishing. Why? Well, just listen to it. You did it for the halibut. You can hear. Listen to the... Listen to the tone. Listen to the... Come on, so we can get a hold of... We preachers can get a hold of Ephesians 2.10 and we can, just, we can just twist that thing around and make you feel like you're called to be a minister. And if you aren't a minister, if you're doing anything other than ministering, boy, howdy, you are in deep doo-doo. Well, how about minister while you're fishing? Wow, there's a novel concept. How about minister while, while you're in the midst of any purpose, any dream, any desire, any destiny that is, that's righteous, that's noble, that's praiseworthy, that's good, that's woven within your heart? Yes? Why not minister in the midst of that? Why not give glory to God in the midst of that? Why not give glory to God all the time? Now we're positioning ourselves for the favor to flow. We're positioning ourselves for the favor to flow. God has favor for us, and I believe it's Ephesians 3.20 kind of favor. It's a favor that's exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I didn't ask for humpbacks to jump out in front of the boat. I never said that. I didn't ask for an orca to, to do a ballet twirl in front of the boat. I didn't ask for some of this stuff. I didn't ask for a record salmon catch day. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, this was exceedingly abundantly beyond. Why? Because it's favor. But one thing that I did continue to do, and throughout our whole trip, and, and in life, what I'm practicing is I receive favor from you. I receive favor from you. I'm moving out of, I'm moving out of the beggarly realm. I'm moving out of the petitioning. I just got to talk him into this, got to wear him out. I'm not sure if he's in agreement with me over good weather today, over halibut fishing today. I'm not sure, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wear him out until I convince him when I get him convinced. I mean, and what, do we, what do we call a prayer breakthrough? Well, a prayer breakthrough is when you finally get to the place where in the Spirit you know you've finally convinced him to do what it is you want him to do. Isn't that, 
I don't know. Is that what we call a prayer breakthrough? I call a prayer breakthrough is when you in your heart begin to realize that he already wants to show you favor and he already is orchestrating all things to get you into a place of favor, that you are the apple of his eye. You're the apple of his eye, that he loves you and he wants to shower favor upon you. Ephesians 1, 3, and these are like past tense. Uh, These are past tense scriptures. Uh, They're kind of like healing. When we read the healing scripture, uh, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. What What is the word were? It's a past tense word. Because now we are looking back at what he did. He took 39 stripes on his body, and those stripes were symbolic of the punishment that we deserved. And they've discovered there's like 39... 39 different types of diseases. Every single stripe that he took was symbolic of him taking our sickness and disease. We're looking back at that historical event and we enter into what he did on our behalf. So by his stripes, we were healed. If we were healed, we are healed. If we are healed. Now, what is legally ours What is legally ours can be entered into as we come not so much with petition, but as we come receiving. Have you tried that lately? Father, I receive healing with regard to arthritis. I just receive your healing grace, your healing power, your healing strength in my body. I receive the lifting the lifting, the removal of inflammation, irritation, joint pain. Have you tried that lately? Instead of petition, have you tried receiving? See, I think sometimes, and this is how I think the enemy works sometimes, is that he's much more able to knit, marry, connect unbelief or fear or anxiety to a petition than he is to a receiving prayer. It's really hard for the enemy to attach unbelief to a receiving prayer because a receiving prayer is looking back to what God has done. A receiving prayer is looking back to what's been accomplished on your behalf, now imputed or given or deposited into your spiritual bank account, a receiving prayer is you actually cashing in on what he's done for you. I want you to try it. Start trying some receiving prayers and find out what crazy things happen. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has, the King James says, hath, Hath is a great word. Hath, who hath, who has. Past tense. Past tense. Say it with me. Past tense. Been done. Say that with me. Been done. I don't have to beg him to bless me. He's blessed me. So I get myself in a receiving position. 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who's Christ? Who is he? The last Adam. The founder, the beginner, the starting point of a brand new creation of whom we've entered into. Christ is the second, the last, the final Adam. The one we are hidden in. We are hidden in him who is blessed. Come on, say it with me. I'm hidden in him who is blessed. When he blessed Jesus, he blessed you who are hidden in him. It's been done. So receiving prayers, receiving receiving phrases, receiving declarations, receiving talk, receiving in our mind, in our mindset, quenching the fiery darts of doubt and fear and worry with receiving. No, no, no. While we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Come on, what he's already deposited in your account, it's the finest gold. It's better than all other gold. It's gold that needs no further refining. It is a gold that you can tap into. It's a gold that will meet every need. It's a gold that will make a way where there is no way. Oh my goodness. For he shows us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. He's already given... Now, grace, we've talked about that. For weeks we talked about grace means unmerited favor. It means richness. It means that which is lavished. It means what we don't deserve. It means the power to do his will. It means entering into his abundance. It means the, the, the power to reign in life. Grace. And I believe that it is so much more received with receiving prayers than petitioning prayers. John 1.16, John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Now, again, we're talking about legal realities, legal realities. What's cool here, he doesn't say, of his partiality, we've all received. Of a tenacity little bit, of a tip that has been given to us, 18% gratuity, we have all received. What's it say? This is past tense. This is not John writing while Jesus was alive. This is John writing, looking back 
to what's happened. He looks back to his time with Jesus. He looks back to the 40 days after the resurrection. He looks back to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He looks back to all that transpired. He looks back to what he's now walking in and the anointing on his life. And he says, we have all received of his fullness... Of his fullness, we have all received. And how do we even describe it? It's grace upon grace. It's favor upon favor. And you know what? It's meant to get greater and greater and greater as the generations come. The grace on you is meant to be greater than the grace on John. Because it's unfolding in revelation. It's not unfolding in legally what's ours. It's unfolding in the revelation of what's ours. The revelation. The revelation. Do not camp on yesterday's revelation. Do not camp on yesterday's generation. Your floor will be their ceiling. And there will be... Glory upon glory and faith upon faith as the Holy Spirit reveals who he's made us to be so that there will be a generation who will walk in the maturity of the sons of God. This is what it says in Ephesians 4. I believe there will be a generation that will walk on water. There is a generation now. David Hogan has a team of those in Mexico who've raised 200 people from the dead. It is not for yesterday. It is not for yesteryear. It is for today. God has of his fullness poured out, and we position ourselves now to receive that revelation. And rather than continuing in petition or unbelief or fear or anxiety, we move forward with receiving hearts and receiving prayers, saying, yes, Lord, saying, me, Lord, saying, I receive of you, Lord. I receive the fullness of Jesus. Rather than saying, why not me? We begin to say, why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? And it doesn't just apply to walking on water and raising the dead. It applies to every realm of life. Every realm of life. He's coaching the best cooks right now and the best moms right now and the best dads right now and the best educators right now and the best politicians right now. He's coaching the best of them. The best will come up out of Zion. They'll come up out of Zion. Life as a son of God. Life as a son of God. It's seen like the dependency of a baby bird. So we posture our faith. We posture a receiving phraseology and a receiving heart. It's like, it's like the dependency of a baby bird. We are totally dependent upon him and he will never starve us. Psalm 81.10 Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. New International Version. I am the Lord your God who brought you out out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
New Living Translation. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. It's the picture of a baby bird. Let me feed you. Just open your mouth wide and let me feed you. Let me care for you. Let me nourish you. Let me show you favor. It's going to get very uncommon, the favor with those who have receiving hearts. Very uncommon. Very uncommon. Very crazy. Psalm 107.9, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 90.17, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 147.11, The Lord delights in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. I was thinking about Joseph, and uh, one of the things that hit me with Joseph really pertains to the song and the theme today. It says in Genesis 37 that Joseph was 17 years old. The storyline starts in Genesis 37 at age 17, and it says that his father had given him in his youth as a child a coat, a fine garment. The King James says it's a coat of many colors, but it's in italics. It's actually not in the translation that way. Another translation calls it an ornate coat, but it's not quite a true rendering. What the true rendering is, it's a full garment. It actually was a coat woven for him out of linen that fully covered the arms and fully went down over his legs. It was a coat that was symbolic of royalty. Now, we know something crazy happened here. Is it other children had come? Jacob had other children. We know those came by Leah, and we know that Joseph was the first by Rachel. He came out of the one that he loved. You have come out of the one that Father loves. You have been covered with a coat of royalty. And it's a coat that fully extends over the arms, over the legs. It fully covers this robe of righteousness. And, and we know that, that this, this inadvertently, it, it got Joseph in a lot of trouble. We know the enemy didn't like that robe and the enemy didn't like all that it symbolized. And so the robe, you know, the coat, it was stolen from him. He was thrown into a pit. Trouble came. Everybody say trouble. Trouble came. But you know what? I think those 17 or so years, the beginning of that book, that beginning of that storyline, I believe that the beginning of that and that 17 or so years where he walked and wore that ornate, that coat, that linen covering that really symbolized he was different. He was special. It says the brothers were jealous of him. It says they hated him. But I believe there was something about that, that it, that it indelibly stamped on his heart that he was favored, that his father favored him. 
The robe of righteousness on you is to indelibly stamp on your heart that you are favored. And regardless of who tries to steal it, and regardless of what happens, regardless of how the enemy attacks it, regardless of of what you come up against or what pit you're thrown into. See, having favor doesn't mean that every day will go smooth. Having favor means that when there is no way, he will make a way. And wherever you are, he will find you. He will find you and rescue you out of whatever you've been thrown into. And this is what we have to have this deep assurance of. Rather than, and so many times, I I know with, with all of us, there's that temptation, there's that warring, there's that push, that press of the enemy, that when circumstances change, when circumstances are bleak, when we're up against something, we've been thrown into a pit, we begin to question God. We begin to wonder, where's God? What's that? Where's that message about favor? Why does it just happen to some and not for me? And the enemy wants to attack your heart and to begin to rip that robe off of you. But you've had it on so long, don't forget it's yours. Joseph had that robe so long that when it was taken and he was thrown into the pit, he continued to remember, Father, set me apart. Father, set me apart. Father, put his love on me. Father, Father, put his grace on me. Father, called me favored. Father, laid his hands on me. Father, gave me this robe. There's something special about this robe. There's something special about my life. That's what you've got to believe in every situation. You've got to believe it when you aren't catching fish. You've got to believe it when there's a storm against you. You've got to believe it when there's a fight, when there's strife, when you've been fired, when you've been let go, when there's difficulty, when when your children have gone off on some path you didn't want them to go. You've got to believe God is still with me. He will find me and he will make a way where there is no way. You start looking for the Midianites. The Midianites came along and bought him. And then they took him in. And we know that every time the enemy tried to stop him, we know that he prospered. We know that God turned it around. God turned every situation around. Why? Why? Because he was favored. You are favored. You are favored. Don't forget you're favored. God will turn every situation around. If you'll just have that receiving heart. If you've got to start with petition, start there, but move to receiving. Move to receive. Don't stay in a position of begging. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're a firstborn. You are hidden in the one. Where there is no way. Come on, I need the singers up on the platform. Where there is no way, he will make a way. Oh, I, I, I don't... I'm telling you, I, don't, I got on the phone with mom last week talking from Alaska. She's like, honey, when you came down, I guess on Saturday, you know, I don't know. And she was telling me the story like I didn't know the story. You know, things weren't good. And yeah. Well, you know, they told me that uh, I guess I wasn't supposed to live through that night. Yeah. I, I'm, I wasn't supposed to be here. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Thank you, by the way. You released me. 
Because as soon as I heard that, that my mom was not going to make it through the night, I knew I needed to be by her side. And I knew that if she had a will to live, I needed to press through in God. That there would be a way where there was no way. So I went into her room and I just... She woke up about one in the morning. We got down there. She kind of woke up, came to. Had a big old oxygen mask on. I got right down in her ear. Said, Mom, I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to see you. And she began to talk through that oxygen mask. Started talking about wanting to see great grandkids. Started talking about things. I'm like, I said, Mom, do you want me to pray for you? She said, Yeah. I said, Do you want me to pray? The way I pray? She said, yeah. I said, do you want me to pray for your healing? She said, yes, Dwayne. I said, okay, I'll pray. So I stayed in her room all night and prayed all night. When they came and ran the test, they came and woke us up about five, began to run all the new tests on her. By five o'clock, everything had changed. Everything had changed. Everything had changed. She went home with no antibiotics. She went home on her own. They gave her like a stress test and she didn't have to go to a recovery center. She had such a massive, radical breakthrough from God where he broke in upon her. As I declared over her, and many of you were praying, many of you were praying, many of you were praying, declaring God's healing and recovery and receiving, receiving from Him. Come on, stand with me. Where there is no way, where there is no way, Where there is no way. Come on, begin to say it. Just begin to say it. Begin to say it. Begin to sing it. Begin to agree with it. Just open your heart right now. This is not just for what you're going through right now. This is for what's coming next week. This is for what's coming next month. You're getting this deep assurance within your heart. You're getting this deep abiding assurance within your heart. That he will not leave you or forsake you. He's not left you as orphans. Where there is no way, he makes a way. Next week, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, maybe you'll end up at a dead end, a Red Sea, an impasse. And I want you to remember, he wants you to remember. He will find you right there. He's right there. Maybe he led you there. Maybe he's about to do something that's going to blow you away. This is going to blow you away. Oh, he loves getting glory from the impossible. What looks impossible to you is so possible with him. And then all the more he receives glory. He receives glory. Come on, if you needed this in your heart this morning, I want you to come to the front and just allow the prayer team to minister to you. I want to some of the team up at the front again as we pray.